Good day. Welcome to another episode of the Audible Local Ledger Reads to the Blind podcast. You can get more information at audiblelocalledger.org. Stay tuned for today's reading. Hello, everyone. This is Carolyn reading to you from the Cape Cod Times on Wednesday, December 20th. As usual, we'll start with our local weather. Today is going to be a partly to mostly sunny day with highs around 41 degrees. Tonight will be a clear night with lows around 32 degrees. The sun rose this morning at 7.04 a.m. and will set tonight at 4.13 p.m. Tomorrow, Thursday, December 21st, will be a mostly sunny and breezy day. Highs will be 39 degrees and lows 24 degrees. On Friday, we'll see intervals of clouds and sun. Highs of 34 degrees, lows of 25 degrees. Saturday will be a cloudy day. Highs will be only around 40 degrees and lows 35 degrees. Finally, on Sunday, it will be a partly sunny day with highs of 45 degrees and lows of 36 degrees. And next, in other local news, we'll go to the lottery. The numbers game for yesterday, Tuesday, December 19th, at the midday drawing were 3, 2, 3, and 4. I'll repeat that. 3, 2, 3, 4. The evening drawing for yesterday, December 19th, was 1, 7, 7, 5. Again, that's 1, 7, 7, 5. The mass cash number for yesterday, December 19th, was 4, 12, 15, 16, 21. Mega millions for yesterday, December 19th, 17, 26, 50, 58, 61, with a bonus of 11. And finally, the Lucky for Life numbers for yesterday, Tuesday, December 19th, 7, 10, 23, 31, 32, with a lucky ball of 14. If you were one of the players, we wish you the best of luck. And next, we'll go to our front page local news. Our first story is entitled, The Health of Our Waterways, Mashpee to Begin Restoring Chop Chack Bogs to Wetlands Over Winter, by Heather McCarran, Cape Cod Times, USA Today Network. A pair of old cranberry bogs on the east side of Santuit Pond in Mashpee are about to undergo a transformation from manicured agricultural acreage back to a wild freshwater wetlands landscape. Totaling 6.5 acres, the former Chop Chack Cranberry Bogs are part of a restoration project the town of Mashpee is working on in partnership with environmental consulting firm Horsley Witten Group, the Massachusetts in lieu fee program, and the Massachusetts Division of Ecological Restoration. The bogs are on 11.7 acres the town bought three years ago with Community Preservation Act funds. Out of cranberry production for about four years, the Mashpee bogs join a growing number of former bogs on Cape Cod getting turned back into wetlands. This is happening as cranberry farmers retire or consolidate bogs in a move toward introducing new, more productive, and less land-intensive cultivars. 
Besides restoring the Cape's wild ecosystems and improving resiliency in the face of climate change, restored acreage provides better management of nutrients from septic systems and storm runoff. It's a major trend and for good reason. Restoring cranberry bogs to their natural state benefits the environment, encourages the return of wildlife and rare species habitats, and contributes to the health of our waterways, said Horsley Witten Group Principal Scientist Neil Price. What will happen to the chop, crack, chack cranberry bogs? The CHOP Chack project is funded through a $525,000 in-lieu fee program grant from the Massachusetts Department of Fish and Game. Price estimates farming was done there in the early 20th century, if not earlier. The bogs are present in a 1938 aerial photo. Mashpee Conservation Agent Andrew McManus said the project is close to breaking ground and is expected to get underway over the winter. Work will include removal of the mat of old cranberry vines and excess sand that accumulated over decades of farming, in addition to filling artificial ditches, roughening bog services, removing a culvert that connects Santuit Pond to the bogs, and removing the pump house. The barn will remain, quote, as just a pretty barn to look at, end quote, with no reuse planned for it. Unlike the much larger bog restoration Horsley Witten Group is working on with the Barnstable Clean Water Coalition in Marston's Mills, which is primarily aimed at water quality improvement in the bog area and downstream of the Marston's Mills River, the Chop Chack restoration is principally a habitat ecology kind of restoration. Price said. That's not to say there won't be any water quality improvements, since wetlands naturally filter water, besides increase the land's ability to act as a carbon sink and to handle heavy precipitation. Wetlands, he explained, have greater capacity to uptake nutrients and any harmful chemicals improving both surface water and groundwater. Mole salamanders, wood frogs, and box turtles among species benefiting. But the biggest improvement would be to wildlife habitat, McManus said. Mole salamanders and wood frogs would greatly benefit from this being converted back to wetlands. There are at least four types of mole salamanders in Massachusetts, according to the Massachusetts Audubon Society, two of which are listed as species of, quote, special concern, unquote, and one which is listed as, quote, threatened, end quote, under the Massachusetts Endangered Species Act. The project will also benefit eastern box turtles, another species of special concern in Massachusetts. Price said plans include creating nesting habitat specifically for box turtles. Additionally, McManus said, the restoration will recreate habitat that's ideal for a variety of waterfowl for nesting and feeding. The project will combine deep water and shallow water features, he said, and restoration of scrub, shrub, and other vegetation native to the wetland. The anticipation is there is a native seed bank underground that is just waiting to be exposed, McManus said. 
that will constitute the majority of revegetation of the site. In areas where that restored native growth either doesn't happen or is sparse, a native seed mix will be applied. It's certainly going to be a dramatic improvement over existing bog surface area, he said. As part of the project, the former bogs will be disconnected from Sentuit Pond. Price explained an artificial connection was created to handle floodwaters from the bogs when farming started, but, the, but originally the wetlands were isolated. Restoration may improve Sentuit Pond's water quality. The restored wetlands may help improve water quality in Santuit Pond, a troubled water body affected by nutrients coming mostly from septic systems that don't filter out nitrogen. The pond is frequently highlighted on the Association to Preserve Cape Cod's map of Cape Cod ponds beset with toxic, al toxic algae blooms. The organization monitors a number of ponds during warm months and issues weekly advisories about blooms and any resulting pond closings. As it has been in the past, the land will still be accessible to the public, McManus said, though there may be restrictions during construction. McManus said restoration will take up to three months, depending on the weather. Besides the chop chack bogs, Price said his firm is working with Mashpee on two other bog restoration projects, on the Quashnet River and on Red Brook. Both have been in the works for a few years. The chop chack bogs are the first of the three to reach the construction stage. And there are two beautiful pictures that accompany this story. The first is of the bog with the barn structure. The caption reads, View looking west across the chop chack cranberry bogs in Mashpee toward Santuit Pond in the background. The second picture is also of the bog with a caption that says, An old cranberry barn on the chop chack cranberry bogs in Mashpee, which sits next to Santuit Pond. Our next front page story today is entitled The Work and Family Mobility Act at Six Months by Walker Armstrong. Cape Cod Times USA Today Network. With the Work and Family Mobility Act nearing six months as law, officials from the State Department of Transportation and Registry of Motor Vehicles said the rollout was smooth and successful, but the agencies want to reach many more residents. The law, implemented in July, permits eligible residents to obtain a standards, standard driver's license regardless of immigration status, including learner's permits and Class D or M driver's licenses. In a December 15th interview with The Times, Registrar of Motor Vehicles Colleen Ogilvie said the process is safe for undocumented residents to go through, that their data will not be handed over to immigration authorities. We believe there are additional individuals who are eligible for this driver's license, Ogilvie said. And while we had a massive push with the implementation of the law, and a lot of information sharing over the summer about how to access and navigate registry services, we want to ensure people understand that the opportunity is still available. Law and Stats 
Since the law was passed, the RMV has issued over 91,961 learner's permits and 54,952 driver's licenses, Ogilvie said. She said the law has been instrumental in allowing residents without lawful presence in the United States to participate more fully in society. We have a lot of immigrants that live in this state, and they have families and lives and jobs like all of us do, Ogilvie said. This enables them to get to doctor's appointments, do their grocery shopping, visit family and friends, and gives them a sense of independence that they may not have experienced prior to this law. The number of people who have received proper proper driving documentation since last year has increased 227%, Ogilvie said. Measure means increased safety on Bay State roads. Public safety was a key factor in pushing for the law, she said. The The idea being... The more residents who go through the proper channels, the safer said roads would be. Currently, 19 other states, including Connecticut and Rhode Island, offer similar measures for undocumented residents, such as Connecticut and Rhode Island, and officials have said there has been a decrease in the number of traffic accidents and hit-and-run incidents since their implementation. If you're not an English-proficient speaker or reader, then you have the ability to take the permit test in a language that's most comfortable for you to make sure you understand and learn the rules of the road in Massachusetts, Ogilvy said and then followed by a road test where we test your skills and abilities to operate a vehicle safely in Massachusetts. Data Sharing Concerns When the law was initially passed, advocates and the immigrant community worried about the data being handed over to federal immigration authorities, like U.S. Immigrations and Customs Enforcement. Despite concerns, there were several efforts to dispel such anxieties through the language of the legislation and community engagement. We built into the law as many protections as we could to ensure that information didn't go to the ICE, said Laura Rotolo, field director for the American Civil Liberties Union, Massachusetts. The ACLU has been working with the offices of Massachusetts Attorney General Andrea Campbell to draft tighten regulations to hedge against sharing participants sharing participating residents' data with immigration authorities, Rotolo said. We are hoping that they will continue to provide robust protections so that the data is not misused for deportation, she said. We have not seen any issues since the law took effect, and we have not heard from anybody that said their information is being shared with ICE. Where are RMVs on the Cape and Islands? Registry of Motor Vehicle Offices on the Cape and Islands are 16 Broad Street on Nantucket, 11 A Street in Edgartown on Martha's Vineyard, and 1068 Route 28 in South Yarmouth. The documents required are proof of date of birth, proof of residency in Massachusetts, and a Social Security number. 
there is a process for those who don't have a social security number. An individual can sign an affidavit with an RMV employee present say, stating they never had a social security number. We also want to highlight that there are bad actors out there, Ogilvy said. There are still people that are trying to take advantage of individuals that are new to government processes that are new in Massachusetts. She said the RMV only charges for a permit test, road test, and the issuance of a driver's license, totaling $115. They do not charge for an interpreter or for making an appointment, Ogilvy said. And the last story on the front page of today's Cape Cod Times is Bills Mount During Cancer Battle, Needy Fund Pitches In by Eric Williams, Cape Cod Times, USA Today Network. She has courageously fought cancer for nearly two decades. After a period of remission, it returned and spread throughout her body. Our neighbor wanted to keep working, but she became too ill and fell behind on rent and a heating bill. When you're a strong and independent person, it can be hard to reach out for help. But our neighbor contacted the Cape Cod Times Needy Fund. Thanks to your generous donations, the Needy Fund was able to alleviate her financial burden. The road ahead is still challenging, and our neighbor recently entered hospice care. She wrote this to the Needy Fund. Being able to pay my bills up to date will give me some peace so I can focus on what is important during the time I have left. Thank you. What is the Cape Cod Times Needy Fund? The nonprofit Cape Cod Times Needy Fund has provided emergency financial assistance to thousands of Cape Codders and Islanders since 1936. That assistance is made possible because of the continued generosity of neighbors helping neighbors. The Needy Fund provides short-term emergency assistance to Cape and Islands residents so they can continue to go to work and or stay in their homes. People in need submit their requests for help to the Needy Fund, which in turn pays for the goods or services, a medical bill, for example, through a voucher system. No cash is given to Needy Fund recipients. How to donate to the Needy Fund. Donations, which are tax-deductible, may be made online at needyfund.org slash donate. Checks payable to the Cape Cod Times Needy Fund should be mailed to Cape Cod Times Needy Fund, Post Office Box 36, Hyannis, Massachusetts, 02601. How to get needy fund assistance. Those needing assistance may contact the needy fund at 508-778-5661 or 800-422-422. 1446. Questions can be emailed to info at needyfund.org. The Needy Fund is also on Facebook at facebook.com slash needy dash fund and X, which is formerly Twitter, at needy dash fund.
needy fund donors. The fundraising goal this season is $1.6 million, and every donation helps. Thanks to everyone who has made a donation to the Cape Cod Times Needy Fund. And now, in other local news, donations sought to help injured Falmouth firefighter family. By Zane Razak, Cape Cod Times, USA Today Network. The fire lieutenant injured in Sunday's three-alarm fire on Rivers Edge Road is Tim Bailey, a 19-year veteran of the Falmouth Fire Department, according to Chief Timothy Smith. The Greg Hill Foundation is now collecting donations to help support Bailey and his family and will match donations up to $5,000. By Tuesday morning, $40,564 had been raised, exceeding the original goal of $5,000. Lieutenant Bailey has a long road to recovery, including multiple surgeries and a lengthy hospital stay in Boston, according to the Greg Hill Foundation. As the Bailey family navigates an abrupt change to their holiday season, any donation you can make to assist the family through this challenging time is greatly appreciated. Visit thegreghillfoundation.org slash Falmouth dash I L T excuse me dash Bailey that's B A I L E Y slash for more information. What happened? Bailey suffered his injuries on Sunday while fighting a fire at twenty two Rivers Edge Road. A neighbor reported seeing smoke coming from the house according uh, excuse me around 1:35 p.m. according to a press release the home was unoccupied bailey and two other firefighters entered the building about 5 feet in bailey fell through a burnt out opening in the first floor into the basement and called out a mayday after removing Bailey from the building, he was evaluated for injuries and flown by medical helicopter to Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston. On Sunday, at the scene of the fire, Chief Smith called Bailey's injuries significant but not believed to be life-threatening. House a total loss. The East Falmouth House is considered a total loss, according to the chief. On Monday morning, the Falmouth Fire Department and other agencies returned to the house to probe the cause of the blaze. And now we'll go to local news on the Cape and Islands page. Our first story is entitled, Homeless Persons Memorial Day Service Set for December 21st in Hyannis by Rashik Tabassum Mujib, Cape Cod Times, USA Today Network. The housing crisis on the Cape is getting worse every day. So is homelessness, according to Cape Cod advocates. On Cape Cod, Martha's Vineyard, and Nantucket, the number of homeless persons, adults, and children, sheltered and unsheltered, was 427 as of January 24th of this year, according to the Cape and Islands Regional Network on Homelessness. The number represents an increase of 30 from last year and the highest number of homeless persons counted in the past 10 years. We're going to stop this story now 
and move to the obituaries, but we will continue this story at the conclusion of the obituaries. And now, in other local news, we will go to the obituaries. John Galvin Vincent, Sr. John Galvin Vincent, Sr., age 78, of Orleans, Massachusetts, died of natural causes on Saturday, December 16th. John was a contractor salesman for Mid-Cape Home Centers for 45 years. He was a loyal employee and an accomplished salesman who loved his job. John was an avid Beach Boys fan for over 60 years, attending many concerts. He was a lifelong supporter of both the San Francisco 49ers and current World Series champions, Texas Rangers. John is survived by his loving wife of 55 years, Nancy. In lieu of flowers, the family is requesting that donations be made to the Animal Rescue League of Boston, Brewster location. Visitation hours are Thursday, December 21st from 4 to 6 p.m. Nickerson Funeral Home, Orleans, Massachusetts. A celebration of life will be held on Friday, December 22nd from 3 to 5 p.m. at Hog Island Brewery, Orleans, Massachusetts. For online condolences, please visit www.nickersonfunerals.com. Christopher Michael Arms. Christopher Michael Arms, age 43, of Harwich, Massachusetts, passed away on Friday, December 15, 2023, surrounded by his loving family. Chris was born on Cape Cod on December 6, 1980. He was educated in the Martha, Martha's Vineyard schools. He was a talented diesel mechanic who loved his trade and his customers who were always satisfied with his work. He is survived by his son, Caleb Shaw Arms of Brewster, who was the apple of his eye. A private burial service will be held in Wellfleet. In lieu of flowers, memorial donations can be made to Martha's Vineyard Community Services or a charity of your choice. For online condolences, please visit www.nickersonfunerals.com. And now we'll go back to the story that we were reading prior to the obituaries. That story is entitled, Homeless Persons Memorial Day Service, set for December 21st in Hyannis. We are seeing increases in people who need emergency shelters, also an increase in those who are losing rentals and having tremendous difficulty finding alternative permanent housing, said Edie Nesmith, the executive director of Cape Cod Councils of Churches. There is a tremendous increase in people experiencing food insecurity, both at our Faith Family Kitchen and also at our food pantry, and all of that is related to lack of housing, said Nesmith. According to Nesmith, the number of meals served in the family kitchen increased 55% compared to last year. By September 2022, the council had provided 18,519 meals. This year, by September, the, the number increased to 23,990 meals. But those dry figures represent real people who are suffering. 
annual memorial service to be held. Each year, the Cape Cod Council of Churches organizes a memorial service to celebrate the lives of people in the community who had experienced homelessness at some point in their lives and have died during the year. The Cape Cod Council of Churches recognizes and values those at risk of homelessness, including those who may lose their primary residence, young people under 25 on their own, and domestic violence survivors with no secure housing options. The different organizations that lend a hand represent a multi-generational group, including high school students and service providers from several agencies, said Nesmith. This is a cause that matters to all these people, and this service is our chance to gather together and acknowledge people who experienced homelessness at some point, she said. The National Coalition for the Homeless, the National Consumer Advisory Board, and the National Health Care for the Homeless Council encourage communities to host annual public events on or near December 21st to remember individuals who have died homeless in the past year. The event typically takes place at the start of winter and the longest night of the year. In Hyannis, the Homeless Persons Memorial Service will be held at 5 p.m. Thursday, December 21st at First Baptist Church at 486 Main Street in Hyannis. The event is convened by the Cape Cod Council of Churches. Co-sponsor are agencies serving those who experience homelessness, including Barnstable Police Department, Cape Cod Synagogue, Champ Homes, Duffy Health Center, Housing Assistance Corporation, or HAC, St. Joseph Shelter, and Vinfin. The next story on the Cape and Islands page, Hyannis traffic delayed on Route 28 after transit bus crash into pole. By Walker Armstrong, Cape Cod Times, USA Today Network. A Cape Cod Regional Transit Authority bus crashed into a telephone pole and building off Route 28 in Hyannis Tuesday morning after the driver reportedly lost consciousness, causing major traffic delays as authorities responded to the incident according to a Times reporter who was at the scene. The bus crashed into a building about a half mile from the airport rotary, adjacent to Copeland Subaru Hyannis, knocking over a power line and causing a gas leak from the building. Authorities secured the gas line and restored power, the Times reporter said. Hyannis Fire Department and the Transit Authority could not be reached for comment as of 2 p.m. Tuesday. And there's a picture accompanying this story of the bus with firefighters surrounding it. The caption reads, Hyannis, December 19, 2023. Hyannis firefighters advance a line following a national grid team that was able to shut off a leaking gas meter beside a Cape Cod regional transit bus that knocked down a utility pole along Route 28, then ran over the gas connection and smashed into a building just west of the airport rotary.
And the last story on the Cape and Islands page is about the recent storm. The title is Eversource Continuing Work to Restore Power by Heather McCarran, Cape Cod Times, USA Today Network. Some areas of Cape Cod remained without power Tuesday after a storm that after a storm that kicked off the week with rain and gale force wind gusts, but leaders at Eversource expected most power to be restored by the end of the day. In the Thistlemore Road area of Provincetown, for example, about 162 customers were still without power just past noon Tuesday as the result of damage to power lines from tree limbs. Eversource estimated repairs would be complete and power back on by 4.30 p.m. In other areas, the company estimated power would be restored by around 2 or 3 p.m. Tuesday. Some customers on Cape, though, may not be so fortunate. According to the company's outage map, power wasn't expected to be restored until late Wednesday for about 154 customers in the area of Walker and Field Street streets in Falmouth and about 51 customers in the Lewis Street area of Hyannis plus smaller pockets of customers scattered in other parts of Barnstable and Falmouth, North Chatham, Harwich, Yarmouth, Dennis, Brewster, and Sandwich. Over 11,000 Eversource customers on Cape Cod lost power during Monday's storm. Outages happened from Woods Hole to Provincetown. Most struck from just past 10 a.m. through to about 2 p.m., with the highest concentrations in Mashpee, Barnstable, Truro, and Provincetown. Cape Cod was not alone as the storm took its toll across Massachusetts and other parts of New England. Regional President of Electric Operations for Eversource, Craig Halstrom, said most of the damage to power lines and equipment resulted from falling trees and limbs, owing to high winds and saturated soil. We had a lot of rain the prior weekend, and more rain this weekend, and a lot of very mature trees look like they came, they came over during this big event, he said during an 11 a.m. briefing live-streamed over the company's Facebook page. In some cases, he said, we had some big trees come across some big circuits. The response was made more difficult by the prolonged periods of high winds. Wind gusts on Cape Cod were some of highest clocked in the state. The National Weather Service's Boston-Norton office clocked some of the state's highest wind gusts on Cape Cod at 62 miles per hour. Winds were sustained around 30 to 40 miles per hour in the afternoon, with gusts around 58 miles per hour. A wind advisory remained in effect for Cape Cod well into Monday afternoon. We had started preparing for this event on Thursday. We had crews come in over the weekend. We were on the ground, ready to go Monday morning, and the winds just never let up, he said. According to OSHA guidelines, crews can't go up in their buckets when winds exceed 40 miles per hour, and only with assured safety measures if materials must be handled 
in winds above 30 miles per hour. Eversource flew in crews from Midwest and South to help restore power. Despite the challenges, Hallstrom said Eversource was able to restore almost 160,000 customers on Monday. By the end of Tuesday, he said, the company expected to have about 600 crews, some flown in from the Midwest and South, on the ground to continue working into Wednesday. As of 11 a.m. Tuesday, about 45,000 Eversource customers statewide were still without power. Hallstrom estimated about 20,000 of those were in the, quote, southern Plymouth area, end quote. We expect the storm work to be significantly over by tomorrow evening, but today we really expected the majority of our customers to be restored, he said. He commiserated with those still without power, especially with the holiday coming up and many people preparing for it or taking time off. We're working really hard. We're bringing in more crews, he said. I'm really confident that by this evening, the majority of people will be restored. We'll clean up tomorrow, and then we'll help anybody who maybe has damage that they can't be restored, damage to their particular homes or businesses. Outer Cape Battery Energy Storage System Activated During this storm, that battery operated twice, he said, of the battery service, of the battery put into service in Provincetown last year, noting many customers would have seen an extended outage if it were not for that battery. That's just an example of technology that we're using to help make our system more resistant, he said. Some in Provincetown remained without power into Tuesday. Eversource spokesman Chris McKinnon explained in an email, quote, if the issue is caused by damage not on a main line and which requires physical repairs to the equipment, the battery energy storage system may not be able to restore power to those specific customers, end quote. The BESS, or Battery Energy Storage System, performed twice during the storm as designed and reduced impacts on our Outer Cape customers, he said. The company's outage map on Tuesday indicated remaining outages in Provincetown were the result of isolated damage from tree limbs. In Barnstable, about 18 customers along Route 28 in the area just west of Cape Cod Gateway Airport were affected by an outage owing to a motor vehicle crash. The outage map, McKinnon said, is updated about every 15 minutes. We do anticipate that many of our customers will be restored today, and we anticipate significant restoration 99% of customers in all communities by 11 p.m. tomorrow, he said. Eversource reminds customers to stay clear of downed wires, keep pets away, and report them immediately by calling 911. In addition, customers should be cautious when doing their own storm cleanup. People are advised to look for any wires that may be entangled in debris when moving or cutting tree limbs. Residents who are without power and using a generator are reminded to be sure 
the generator, generator is located well away from their home or business and that the transfer switch is working properly. Customers can report outages online at www.eversource.com slash cg slash customer slash report outage or by calling 800-592-2000. Customers who signed up for the company's two-way texting feature at www.eversource.com slash content slash residential slash outages slash outage dash alerts can send a text to report an outage and receive outage updates as they happen. Two store or two pictures, excuse me, accompany this story. The first is of a home uh, or a building, excuse me, with a tree on it that fell on it with the caption, Cruz responded to this down utility pole at the intersection near West Bay Road and Main Street Monday. A tree fell on the utility wires Monday during heavy winds and rain. And the second picture is of the Hyannisport Yacht Club Pier. The caption reads, The late afternoon high tide washes over the Hyannisport Yacht Club Pier and floods Eugenia Fortes Beach. This has been Carolyn reading to you from the Cape Cod Times on Wednesday, December 20th. I hope you all have a wonderful day.